1: In the heart of Kentucky is a facility dedicated to housing hundreds of bars of pure gold weighing more than 4,600 tons, Fort Knox. When we think of Fort Knox, we might visualize it as being nothing more than the vault that holds that gold, and yet the place where the gold is held is only a small part of a military base covering 109,000 acres spread across three counties, which houses 23,000 soldiers. Because you need a lot of men and weapons to guard that much gold. The vault itself is built to be impenetrable. It is constructed of granite, steel, and concrete. The vault door alone weighs more than 20 tons. In fact, it's thought that there might be more steel than gold at Fort Knox. The vault is made of steel plates, steel beams, and steel cylinders. To open the door, several staffers at the depository must individually dial in separate combinations known only to them. And even the President of the United States doesn't have the combination to the vault. Over the years, in addition to gold, the vault at Fort Knox has also protected the gold reserves of several other countries, the English Crown Jewels, the Magna Carta, the Gutenberg Bible, And back in the early 1940s, it also held the original U.S. Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and the Declaration of Independence. Fort Knox captures our imagination because just hearing the name brings to our mind images of huge stacks of gold. We know Fort Knox is a place that holds items of great value. And that's the kind of imagery that God uses to describe you and I. Know ye not? that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Believers are a place which holds a person of infinite value. We each individually have the Spirit of God inside of us. We are the temple of God. This truth in reality needs our careful attention in life. And in this episode, we'll be looking at the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6.19 reads what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? In time past, the Holy Spirit came upon people in Israel temporarily to enable them to perform a specific and important duty for God's glory, but then he would depart. The Holy Spirit was given and then taken away and he was given only to select people and not to most others in Israel. In time future, in the tribulation period and the future kingdom on the earth, the blessing of the indwelling Holy Spirit will be a prominent feature. Everyone who is saved at that time by trusting the gospel of the kingdom will be permanently indwelt by the Holy Spirit. This began at the day of Pentecost, which was a foretaste of Christ's earthly kingdom. But God's program with Israel was later temporarily suspended, and God then ushered in the dispensation of the grace of God through the Apostle Paul. And today, in time present, one of the distinctive features of this age of grace is that the Holy Spirit permanently dwells inside each born-again believer in the church, the body of Christ, in each person who has trusted the gospel of the grace of God. In Paul's letters, time and time again, we we read of the teaching of the blessing of the indwelling Holy Spirit for members of the body of Christ. Romans 8 eleven But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. 1 Corinthians 3.16, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Galatians four six. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts. Ephesians 2.22, In whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. 2 Timothy one fourteen. That good thing which was committed unto thee, Keep by the Holy Ghost, which dwelleth in us. Earlier in 1 Corinthians, Paul asked those Corinthians, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God? Here again, Paul asked them a few chapters later, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? Paul is stressing something for the Corinthians and all the body of Christ that we should know that we should understand, learn, and remember. It is a truth that we should know, and it should become a permanent way we think about ourselves in relation to God. And what that is, is that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, and He dwells inside each of us. The reason why this should be a permanent truth to know and remember is because the Spirit is permanently within us. This is a fact This is a truth of Scripture that we need to know and then believe it. The Spirit is in each believer, and He is with us always. It's important to know and trust this because often we may not feel His presence, but that does not mean that He is absent. We must understand and trust the fact, the truth of His presence because God's Word word says that He is in every person who has trusted Christ as their personal Savior. And you don't have to ask Him to come in. He indwelt you the moment you trusted Christ as your Savior. You don't need to pray, Lord, send me your spirit because He's already there. A prayer like that is unnecessary He is always with us. The basis upon which the Holy Spirit takes up His abode within the believer is on the grounds of our redemption, the shed blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Having our sins paid for and forgiven, the Holy Spirit can then take up residence in us. He creates a new nature within us, and then that is where He then resides, Ephesians 4.24 teaches that the new man after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. The new man being created in righteousness and true holiness provides a suitable dwelling place for the presence of the Holy Spirit, who likewise is righteous and holy. Ephesians 4.30 teaches the body of Christ to grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Our hearts are a permanent abode for the Spirit. The day of redemption is the day that our bodies are redeemed and taken to heaven at the rapture of the church. We are sealed by the Spirit unto that day, that day that we are in heaven and with the Lord. Our heart is not a hotel for the Holy Spirit where He checks in for a while, but then He might check out later. We are a permanent dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. Never in the dispensation of grace are believers warned that the loss of the Spirit could take place as a result of sin. Instead, what you find is like the Corinthians, who were guilty of carnality and sins of immorality, and they are exhorted by the Apostle Paul to live a godly life and to forsake sin because they were indwelt by the Holy Spirit. When a believer lives in sin, the Holy Spirit is still there, and he's not leaving. Sin grieves the Holy Spirit, but he does not leave us, and he never will. The Spirit is not a visitor. He is an inhabitant. The word dwelling, when it speaks of the Spirit, dwelleth in us. That word dwelling in the original Greek means to occupy or reside in a house, to inhabit and remain. The same word is used in 1 Timothy 6 when speaking of God, who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto. God dwells in an unapproachable light. Speaking of the bright, shining glory which surrounds the throne of God, God will never cease dwelling in that light as God. Likewise, the Spirit will never cease dwelling in our hearts. As the Lord told His disciples in John 14, And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another Comforter, that He may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. With the body of Christ as well, the Spirit abides with us and indwells us forever. Even the fact that we are called a temple of the Holy Spirit teaches the permanence of His dwelling in us. In the past, God's presence dwelled in a tabernacle, a tent in Israel. That was a temporary abode for the presence of God. Later, the temple was built as a permanent abode for God. When Solomon dedicated the temple in Jerusalem in 2 Chronicles 6 verse 2, he prayed to the Lord, but I have built an house of habitation for thee and a place for thy dwelling forever. Our bodies being called a temple of the Holy Spirit teaches that the Spirit is a permanent resident in the life of, of the believer, a place for his dwelling forever. And when we receive the Holy Spirit at salvation, we receive the Spirit in His fullness. Romans 8, 9 reads, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. In other words, when you are saved, you are in the Spirit, because the Spirit of God dwells in you. You are in the Spirit, and the Spirit is in you. And this is a permanent union between us and the Holy Spirit. Then Paul says, now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is not of his. In other words, if you don't have the Spirit, you're not saved. If a person doesn't have the Spirit of God, they don't belong to Christ. And there's no in between. It's cut and dry. You either have the Spirit, or you don't have the Spirit. And you don't get the Spirit in partial measure or in installments. The opposite of that verse is true as well. If any man does have the Spirit of Christ, he is his. You do belong to Christ. Every believer in Christ possesses the Holy Spirit, and you possess the Spirit in his fullness. So like you don't need to pray, Lord, send me your Spirit, you also don't need to pray, Lord, give me more of your Spirit. There isn't any more for you to get. You don't get the Spirit in bits and pieces. He is in us in totality the moment we trust Christ. When Paul challenged the church to be filled with the Spirit in Ephesians 5.18, that is a practical goal in a believer's life. Paul was not teaching that we only have part of the Spirit and need to be filled with more of his person. Being filled with the Spirit isn't about us having more of the Spirit. It's about Him having more of us. We have the Spirit in His fullness. The question now is, does He have us fully? How much of us does He have? This is a challenge for us to yield more and more to His life and power. And to allow him to work in our lives to a deeper, fuller extent, D L. Moody was to have a campaign in England years ago. An elderly pastor protested, "Why do we need this Mr Moody? He's uneducated, he's inexperienced. Who does he think he is anyway? Does he think he have that he has a monopoly on the Holy Spirit?" Another pastor who knew Moody better responded to him, "No." But the Holy Spirit has a monopoly on Mr. Moody. That's what being filled with the Spirit is all about.
0: We'll be returning to the program in just a minute. But first, we'd like to take this time to thank you, our partners, for making these programs possible. If you would like to access our library of helpful Bible study tools, go to bereanbiblesociety.org. What must I do to be saved? is an 18-page booklet transcribed from episode 45 of our program, Transformed by Grace, written and taught by Pastor Kevin Sadler, President of the Berean Bible Society. In this booklet, we learn what is the most important question a person could ask. What must I do to be saved? The answer must be found by looking into the Word of God. To order your copy, contact the Berean Bible Society for pricing and availability at 262. 255-4750 255-4750 or visit our website at www.BereanBibleSociety.org This message is also available on DVD. To receive our free full-color 32-page monthly magazine, The Berean Searchlight, call 262 4750 or subscribe online at www.BereanBibleSociety.org thank you again for your generous gifts. And now, back to the teaching with Pastor Kevin.
1: The temple of God in Jerusalem in the past was a wondrous thing. The temple was where God's presence dwelt in a physical structure on the earth. Though God is so great as Lord of heaven and earth, He chose to dwell in Israel in that temple. Again, at the dedication of Solomon's temple as they were Praising, singing, and thanking the Lord, Second Chronicles five thirteen to fourteen reads, Then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Likewise when we trust that Christ died for our sins and rose again instantaneously we become a temple at that moment and the Holy Spirit fills the house of God inside of us. And our bodies as temples of the Holy Spirit within the body of Christ are where God's presence dwells in a physical structure on the earth today. The temple had three parts, the outer court, the holy place, in the most holy place. The outer court, seen by all people, was where every Israelite could enter and where all the external services and sacrifices were performed. The holy place was where only the priests could enter to care for the altar of incense, the table of showbread, and the golden candlestick. The most holy place was where the Ark of the Covenant was, and no one went in there except the high priests once a year. Man is a triune being, made in the image of God, body, soul, and spirit. In us, there are three parts, like the temple is three parts. As man is the temple of God, our body would represent the outer court, the external, visible part of our being that is visible to all. The soul represents the unseen inner place of the holy place, and the spirit represents the unseen most holy place. As God's temple, God wants His presence to fill all the house of God. For us to regard all the temple, the most holy place of our spirit, the holy place of our soul, and even the outer court of our bodies as all of them sacred to His service. God desires us as His temple to yield every facet of our nature to His leading and His will. Derek Thomas writes, One recent summer, in a large urn that sits outside the front door of my house, a blue swift made a nest in which she laid six eggs. This beautiful, shy creature had made her home in almost my house. I felt privileged that I had been honored by her presence, even if my cat viewed it entirely differently. If I felt privileged when a bird nested by my door how much more privileged should I feel knowing that the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in me. Our hearts should well up with gratitude and it should fill up with song at the mere thought of it. It is staggering, he says. And that's right. It truly is staggering that we have God, the Holy Spirit, dwelling in us. And that is a gift of grace. That is something we do not deserve or merit. The way Paul puts it in his epistles teaches that the indwelling spirit is a gift. He wrote that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given. Given, that is, as a, a gift of grace. Given unto us. He also writes, And God, all, who also hath given Unto us the earnest of the Spirit. And here in First Corinthians 6.19, Which ye have of God. The indwelling Spirit is not earned. It's not deserved. It's not a reward for being a good person or doing good works. To be given the Holy Spirit, we simply trust Christ as our personal Savior. And then He immediately indwells us forever by His grace. And then you stop and you think about who is indwelling us. And that really is staggering. The God of the universe, the creator, very God of very God, Lord over all, sovereign, almighty, majestic, all-glorious God in us, in our bodies. It is an inconceivable reality. It's an amazing thought, yet it is exactly the truth of God's word. God in the person of the Holy Spirit has chosen to dwell within believers in Christ. Since God the Holy Spirit has chosen to dwell in us and has made His dwelling place in our bodies, what that means now is the Spirit is owner of the house. As Paul puts it, ye are not your own. We are not Lord of our lives any longer. Now we are to allow the Spirit to govern the house, our bodies, to rule it, and to lead us. As God, He is all-wise, and He knows what is best for our lives. We are wise to yield to His wisdom, and He is worthy of our obedience and submission to His will. Being in us means the Spirit accompanies us wherever wherever we go. And is aware of everything we do and everything we go through in life. He dwells in us and he is not unaware. He is not a distant God. He couldn't be any closer as he resides in our hearts. In the context, Paul was dealing with the subject of the immorality of the Corinthians. The thought of what the Corinthians were engaging in with the Holy Spirit dwelling in them caused Paul to be distraught and ask, What? Know ye not? Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? He didn't want them to forget that the Spirit was dwelling in them and that their bodies were a holy place now because God Almighty resided within them. 1 Corinthians 6, 20 says, For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We as the temple of God should have the same things going on inside of us as went on inside the temple in Jerusalem in the past. And what I mean by that is, first, the temple was a place of prayer. Mark eleven seventeen says of the Lord Jesus, and he taught, saying unto them, Is it not written, My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer? In the temple of our bodies, it should be a house of prayer. We are taught by our apostle to pray, to pray without ceasing, to be instant in prayer, to continue in prayer. In our temples, we should pray to God at any time for any reason about anything. The Spirit hears our prayers. It's pretty hard for him not to hear, because he resides in our hearts. Secondly, the temple was a place of service and activity. The temple was an active, lively, energetic place. People came to the temple to give to the Lord. They gathered to learn his word. They came just to be near God and to bring their sacrifices to God. And we are taught by the Spirit under grace, by the mercies of God, That ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And the Spirit would have us have a lively, energetic life, useful and active in God's service, telling us in his word, This is a faithful saying, and these things I will, that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. And in our temples, we should have that desire for nearness to God and to our Savior, like the Apostle Paul, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Third, the temple was not a place for idols. It was a place to worship and glorify God. 2 Corinthians 6.16 reads, and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. There is zero agreement with the temple of God, with idols. God's temple is a place where idols do not belong. The temple of God is where the true God is to be worshipped, and where he is to be preeminent over all things. Exodus thirty-four fourteen reads, For thou shalt worship no other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. God being a jealous God, to me, is a wonderful teaching. It's based in love. God is without sin, and his jealousy in response to idol- idolatry is righteous. God is jealous for His relationship with His people because He deeply loves us. And He doesn't want us taken away from Him by lesser things and by the deceitfulness of idolatry. God doesn't want His church to lift up any object or false God or activity or stuff or things in life to the level that we worship that instead of giving God the worship that belongs to Him alone. And in the temple of our bodies, worship and service are to be given to Him alone. As Paul points out in these verses, God has bought us at the highest price imaginable, the shed blood of His Son. And He has given us this inconceivable gift of the indwelling Holy Spirit. So the question is, how can we do less than honor Him? That's what takes place in the temple. You glorify God. It's a place where He is to be revered and worshipped. Our bodies are made for that supreme purpose, to glorify God. Thus, it is important to view every single day from sunup to sundown with a spiritual dimension. Whatever happens to us from day to day, we know it is under the Spirit's supervision. And because we are His, we are to glorify God regardless.
0: Write us at the Berean Bible Society, P.O. Box 756, Germantown, Wisconsin, 53022. Now until next time, may you be transformed by God's grace.